This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another week of Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. We're actually here for the first time in our new studio, um, at least recording Oil & Gas Startups. We did BDE on it the other day, but um, we've got Carrie and Matt here with Parasanti. Said that right, right? Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> cool. I've got a knack for like just messing up names and like typically I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Glad I got it right though. Yeah. So anyways, uh, got you guys in here from Austin. Yeah. Um, sounds like the uh, Austin to Houston trip is becoming a, uh, a normal one for you or a common a recurring thing for y'all. So um, good to have you here, Thanks. Matt. You were at Empower yeah, last week. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Time. You have a good time. Yeah. Just networking, meet everyone. Yeah. Awesome. That's what I care about. If yeah. people had a, <laughs> people had a good time, then that's all that's all that matters to me. So, okay. Give me the quick high level overview of what Parasanti is. I have no clue what you guys do. So real quick, hit me with the, the two minute pitch. Absolutely. So Parasanti, we do data orchestration, sensor integration, and at the extreme edge of remote operating environments, which is a really fancy way. That's a really fancy way of saying <laughs> something. Yeah, break it down for someone Absolutely. stupid like me. Absolutely. I'm saying uh, our goal is to get data in the hands of people that work outdoors in the moment that they need it uh, okay. without having to rely on going all the way back through a cloud, which can sometimes be a very long distance from those guys and gals that are working outside and are trying to make really rapid decisions in that moment. Okay, so are we talking edge computing play here? Okay, so let me kind of set this up a little bit because, you know, if you look at the evolution of the internet and data, you know, we had a heavy push to the cloud. But then what happens in industrial applications where you need real-time information, there's too much There's too much lag in, hey, we're going to process all this data, move it up to the cloud, and then run analytics on it or whatever, and then push it back. And so there's been this movement of edge computing and getting people information right there on site. So sounds like you guys may play into kind of that that movement or that thesis. Is that correct? You hit the nail on the head. Okay. I, I'll just expand it a little bit and say I think uh, the first kind of evolution of that was to get from what you might call the, the cloud or the headquarters down to the factory floor, which might be a couple hundred feet uh, from the actual headquarters, where we're now seeing the push is, you know, a couple miles, you know, outdoor into those actual outside environments. So where we kind of try to play is say, okay, this is moving beyond those little mini servers. You know, how do we actually provide analytic when it's raining or it's, you know, negative 20 <laughs> or the power's out across the whole state or something Ex like extreme that. Extreme elements. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, Matt, if you want to add on to that. Yeah. So for, um, well, I'll start with our federal side just a little bit, just because yeah. that's where we have our roots in. So right now we're working on some projects with Special Operations Command and the Defense Innovation Unit, which has really allowed us to expand our technology and kind of that edge compute use case to where it's extreme conditions. A lot of us have a veteran background. I was in the Army prior to coming to Parasanti. And, you know, one of the challenges we had is that communications denied environment, very low bandwidth. Um, where you, but you need that high level of compute. You need the ability to get those insights right there, right when you need it, without waiting for it to go to the cloud, analyze it, get the insights, you know, minutes, days, or hours later, depending on your bandwidth. 
And, um, you know, I think that's why the energy space is really resonated with mm -hmm. us and seeing like, it's, you know, very common, like, you know, we were talking about going down to Laredo and kind of the challenge. Well, that's what I was going to say before. <laughs> yeah. Before we got on the podcast, uh, Matt and I were talking and I was telling them this story, which I had no idea what y'all do, but it's actually really relevant <laughs> to what you guys do. Cause I was telling them that I was down on Laredo and, you know, I spent a lot of time on the border and I could tell something was up because all of our cell phone uh, signal went down yep. across Verizon, AT&T, yep. all cell communication goes down. You see Border Patrol just speeding every which way in their yep. Ford Raptors. You're like, what's going on? And we got back to the hotel, all internet's down. So you had a complete blackout on yep. uh, communications. And what had happened was uh, a DEA helicopter got shot down by a cartel. And so yep. they blacked out everything. And now when I'm listening to y'all talk about, you know, communications yeah. and data, I'm like, oh, that story was actually somewhat relevant. And I didn't yeah. even have a clue what y'all what y'all do. So 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 much so. I mean, and actually that's that's kind of what our, our founder Josh will tell you, you know, from his own background in, in the army. He said, you know, got kind of tired of just rucking around in these really remote environments trying to complete these missions and say, look, your your tech's only as good as the moment that the guy on the ground needs it to work, right? You know, if, mm -hmm. if, if you can't get a signal, if you can't get a satellite uplink, if it breaks easily, it doesn't really matter how cool it was back at, you know, headquarters when they were buying it. If it doesn't work for the guy on the ground, no one's going to use it. It's not worth the shit. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, yeah. And, and that was kind of the whole premise behind Parasanti, right, was, was like, let's make the tech work for those on the ground operators in the moment that they need them to. Yeah, I mean, look, I grew up in the oil field, right? And so I was there in remote locations where you don't have access to anything. And if something doesn't work when you're out there, you know, where the rubber meets meets the road, I mean, it's it's no good. And so you can have things that are over-engineered at some office in Houston or Austin, but if it doesn't work out in extreme conditions, yeah. then it's really, it's yeah. not it's not good. And, you know, you see that when, you know, you're in the military out in field yeah. operations, yeah. Or you're in the oil field, like, yeah. Things just don't work sometimes. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk about the technology a little bit. Um, you know, is this is this hardware or is it software? Is it a combination of both? What are we looking at here? Yeah, basically combination of both. So what we have is a, is a basic software. Um, it sits on an edge device. We've actually installed it on quite a number of, of our competitors' edge devices, uh, of the edge devices that our oil and gas companies already have. That's actually kind of a big deal for us because for us, we're trying to to create an easy path to entry, right? So kind of lower that barrier mm -hmm. to adoption for oil and gas companies. So if they already have edge boxes, but what they don't have is the ability to orchestrate that data at the actual edge. So basically that just means they're using the box as a repeater, right? So they're, they're collecting all that data and they're using the, the repeater to still get back to the cloud mm -hmm. and they're putting any kind of, or ML or anything like that um, is still sitting in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of the analytic and processing is happening. Okay. What we're actually doing is is rendering the software on what's called a GPU, basically, yep. you know, right there at the tactical edge, um, completely divorcing it from the cloud. Gotcha. We will sell hardware, uh, but we will only sell hardware when our clients are telling us we're trying to push the boundaries of our own edge. Mm -hmm. And the current hardware that we have just doesn't hold up. And in that case, we will sell hardware. So what we've created is pretty much the most ruggedized piece of hardware on the market today. Okay. Uh, kind of sits in an IP67 sealed, which basically means no dust can get in it and it can operate underwater for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and do all of that processing at the edge. But I, I would say our software is probably our bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense from, you know, an operator perspective that software is the more scalable play because mm -hmm. if you can be agnostic to device, then 
low barrier of entry for companies like oil and gas companies to adopt it because then they can use it with their edge device. But um, what it sounds like is, you know, a lot of companies are using edge devices, like you said, as repeaters. Mm -hmm. They're still sending the information up to the cloud. And then that's where they're running an analytical layer on top of it. Um, And so for y'all, you said, hey, no, this analytical process needs to happen at the device. You need to bypass, cut out the cloud doesn't have a place here and so y'all software can layer on top of any device and exactly do that exactly and, okay. and also the software you know it really does scale in terms of the size so if you're let's say it's just one natural gas or one oil well we could deploy a a smaller in a smaller footprint you know allow that to go directly on whatever if there is already a compute resource there or we have our own hardware that could plug into whatever whatever SCADA system they may already have on site but now if you're running a whole field and you have more of an operation center, we, we are able to scale our software accordingly to now ingest all of those data streams as well and provide even more data analytics. Because not only are you, you know, providing that data analytics on an individual well, now you're doing it across a field mm-hmm. of wells and getting a much deeper level of understanding of your operation. Yeah. So I know y'all mentioned that I think you got your start in military applications um that's why you are based in austin talk about that a little bit and i'm sure you can't say a whole lot any tech company that comes on the show that has uh work with the military they're like oh yeah i can't (laughs) can't talk a whole lot (laughs) we could but we'd have to kill you yeah yeah, for sure (laughs) um but it sounds like the technology might have been developed with military applications in mind. Sounds like the founder came from a military yeah. background. That's how I saw it and started looking for other industries. So yeah. just kind of talk about that a little bit yeah. um, and then the, the evolution of the company. Sure. Yeah. Happy to do that. So yes, absolutely. We're, we're vet owned and operated company. That's a huge uh, portion of kind of the value prop of our company. Um, I will just talk for a second about our people. You know, it's super important to us uh, not just to hire vets, but we actually try to hire vets directly out of the military uh, and help them enabling their career transition. That's actually a really big deal here in Texas. Yeah. Um, so uh, 200,000 uh, folks every year get out of the military and become vets. 15% of them right now are moving to the state of Texas. Yeah. And 30% of those have expressed uh, interest in working in the energy environment. So Yeah, a- I helped this nonprofit called... Um- it was elite meet and it was for special operators and they had a meetup in Houston and yeah. asked me to come speak at it a couple of years ago. And it was badass. It was like a group of 20, 20 people, Navy SEALs, F-16 yeah. pilots. And I'm yeah. like, this is fucking cool getting yeah. to be in the room with these people. And actually I want to give a shout out to my buddy, John Allen, who was one of the founders of that because we were talking about LinkedIn content. Cause that's what they brought me in. They're like, Hey, these guys have a lot of interest in oil and gas and energy moving down to Texas. Can you, teach them about the industry and how you use LinkedIn to meet people. And so me and John were talking. John is now a superstar. He just launched his podcast, number two in the world behind Joe Rogan. He's got millions of subscribers on YouTube. And so, you know, him and I started like three years ago and he's just like, I mean, ran away from me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that a lot of those guys were coming to Texas and were interested in the energy industry. So I saw that, you know, I mean, absolutely. And I think right now there's, there's such an interesting intersection happening and Texas really is the heart of it. You know, when you kind of look across, across the spectrum, whether it's talking about some of the interesting geopolitical national security elements of it, talking about the energy transition, it's all happening, right. You know, and it's all happening right here. And so much of it is that is being driven by vets. So we think we really kind of sit at the intersection of all of those elements. Mm-hmm. I will say in terms of, 
you know, our federal origins, um, there, there's a lot of really amazing programs specifically within the Department of Defense uh, that helps vet-owned companies that have really cool technology that were developed, you know, based off of oftentimes personal experiences, right, from being in the military, um, kind of build and mature the core tech, kind of come up through some early stage federal contracts, and then kind of leapfrog into commercialization. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, we started off with a couple of major production contracts for uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, we're kind of playing in in what's called the kind of the JADC2 framework, so Joint All Domain Command and Control, which basically just says different military branches that are trying to talk to each other, right? When they're, uh, when they're going on deployments and you'd be amazed. Navy has one way of doing it. The Air Force yeah. has another way of doing it. The Army has another way. And then when they all try to talk to each other, you know, comms don't sink and data doesn't sink yeah, and all these yeah. different things. Like one of, one of my friends <laughs> from that group, his job was he worked with the NSA. And so he was the liaison between the NSA and Navy SEAL units. And so they would go do these offensive uh, hacks. Yeah. And so essentially NSA is hacking this facility yeah. and then Navy SEALs are raiding it. And he's like the liaison between the two. And he's always like, he's like, you know, I'm taking this badass to do this sniper from a Navy SEAL <laughs> unit. I'm sitting him with this nerd. And he's like, I'm telling the nerd, he's like, this guy wants to kill you. Shut the fuck up and just do what he says. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it was funny, like hearing like, you know, how branches, yeah. um, and it's actually pretty funny because in oil and gas, it's very much, um, historically speaking, has been the same way, yeah. even within companies. You know, completions doesn't talk to drilling. Production doesn't yep. talk to completions. And yep. so that's, you know, there's a lot of similarities between oil and gas and yeah. military applications. Yeah. A major interoperability challenge, you know, different, you know, as you're saying in oil and gas, you have different systems. They all speak different languages. Very difficult to align that data together. And you really need that capability because all these processes influence each other. Yeah. And that's really what we're trying to get after. Yeah. I, I mean, it was incredible because a couple of the original contracts that we first got our start in, we've been uh, bootstrapped since 2019, um, were doing exactly that, right? So they were they were basically, you know, task forces that were out in really remote environments. They were trying to do like computer uh, visioning, right? Image ingestion really quickly when they didn't have access to the internet or uh, radar detection on runways, you know, basically how do we, how do we find debris on, on runways, that type of thing when you don't, when you don't have access to the internet. But at the end of the day, we were just dealing with soldiers or, or task forces that were trying to make sense of, of data when, when they didn't have access to bandwidth. And then when we started commercializing our technology, we said, Hey, we're in the state where the entire industry is driven by operators in no bandwidth environments that yeah, are trying to make yeah. decisions with data. So this works really it's well. Like, so maybe, maybe there's <laughs> an application right in our backyard. Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, absolutely. And that, I mean, and it, it just layers on with, with, again, just some of the really big personal passion points of the founders, right? You know, how can we really leverage this technology to, to help the state of Texas and ultimately to help the, the major industry, which is going through a, just a sea change right now and is trying to deal with a lot of market volatility, a lot of market opportunity. And ultimately for us, we think that's a data problem. Yeah. Yeah. Which I means beating a dead horse on this show. It's been talked about a million, million times that oil and gas has a data problem and still has a data problem. I mean, when we started this podcast in 2018, it's like, I probably got a two year window of talking about data problems. And <laughs> no, yeah. fast yeah. forward four years later, we're still talking about data problems. But, you know, I do know there is a lot of debate uh, around uh, cloud computing versus edge um, computing. And I think that it's, one, it's pretty interesting to me if you look at the evolution of 
processes and the internet. And, you know, you look at how, I mean, you just look at how disruptive the cloud was and then you're like, okay, well, you kind of, kind of skipped a step because we need, we need to be able to make decisions and have data at, at the site. And so now it's like, okay, we're kind of unbundling from the cloud and saying, okay, you know, maybe, you know, this, all of this information gets pushed to the cloud, but this subset of information that we really need and uh, need to make decisions happens on site using edge computing. So I think that, I mean, my belief is that it's going to be a big wave in oil and gas, and I don't necessarily know where we sit in the adoption curve of that, but I see a lot of companies that are trying to make a move in the space, you know, from hardware perspective or software. So, and when I think about it, I'm like, you know, let's just say that you're um, out on a frack job. And I mean, you need real time data and information. You don't have time for any data latency or anything to push up to the cloud from a remote location and then come back down. And so, I mean, that's a, perfect use case of like, no, we need to be able to analyze and crunch data here yeah, on site. I, yeah, I think, I mean, technology has really enabled that. So I think initially with cloud computing, you had made, you know, supercomputers running, you know, in the, in the quote unquote cloud, but now technology has kind of expanded to where we could, you could do that on premises. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen data centers grow up, local data centers, but now at the edge, on site, in the environment, you know, you could do those advanced data analytics, run artificial intelligence models to actually interpret your data. Um, I think about 50% of the data that goes to the cloud is unused data. Yeah. So enterprises are spending millions of dollars in communication costs, cloud storage costs, and they're not even leveraging all of their data. And the operator who really needs it at that, like at that moment in time, they're not even able to really utilize it at all just because it's it's not getting there fast enough. Yeah. So that's why we're really focusing on that extreme edge in the environment to enable yeah. that operator that that instance. Matt just said something that like kind of triggered me and brought up like old feelings. And when he said <laughs> on, when he said on prem, because this is actually really funny. It just it it brought something up to my attention that you know when we started this show um, back in 2018, the idea of using cloud-based uh, SaaS solutions was just like, it didn't happen at oil and gas companies. They required that software, it had to be on-prem. And we just talked about how archaic that was. Yeah. And, you know, the future is cloud and um, software as a service. And, you know, cloud computing enabled the democratization of tech and allowed founders to go and build these technologies. And so now it's so funny just to see like how it's coming back full circle where yeah. you ha- hear Matt like, you know, this needs to happen on prem. And I'm like, man, you know, if I would have heard that three or four years ago, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. So like that's so archaic. But now yeah. we're coming back to like this. Well, yeah, I mean, you really need to take, you know, our, I think, you know, one of our goals is to really take advantage of all the data that you're collecting mm-hmm. and to fuse insights together. So you have at the extreme edge. And then, you know, it kind of echelons from there now. And then you have more of an operation center where, you know, like a local operation center. And then you have your enterprise, you know, management. And I think one of the powerful things about our software is it really does scale. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do that advanced data orchestration at the extreme edge, like in the environment in a ruggedized IP67 case. But then it also allows that data to seamlessly transfer up to your cloud enterprise environment. 
so that so that at every echelon you're you're able yeah. to analyze that data and make well i mean and i i really like um that you use the phrase democratization of data because i think right now in particular especially when you think about the last couple of months there's a really really huge opportunity for small and operators in particular mm -hmm. um, to really kind of take advantage of, of especially when I'm thinking about kind of like source gas and like some of those new uh, some of those areas where you know they've been a little bit on pause for the last couple of years but we're really kind of seeing them start to take off in 2022 and everyone's trying to pivot quickly all of that is ultimately coming down to data and we're hearing that with 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 our kind of our, our beta customers that we're talking to mm -hmm. every day right now they're saying look I have opportunities right now to acquire X number of wells, but if I make the wrong decision here, it can make or break my business, right? Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is make sure that I get the, the 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 best amount of data to make those correct decisions, and mm -hmm. and I know, you know, I know ultimately which assets to sell, which assets to buy, which ones to, to repair, which ones to not even worry about repairing. All that isn't even data that's that complicated. It's just making sure that you can actually get to it and analyze it kind of before the guy across the street does, right? Yeah. Which is ultimately yeah. what we're trying to help with. I've got a question for you guys. Um, you know, I always struggle to wrap my head around like companies like Palantir or other data companies that move horizontally across mm -hmm. all industries, which you guys are doing. Say, hey, we have military mm -hmm. applications. We have oil and gas applications. We have a software that's agnostic to device. Um, so I don't even know what my question is. I know what I'm thinking in my head, but let me see if I can yeah, articulate yeah, yeah. this yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, say that I'm a, uh, oil and gas engineer and I'm listening to the show and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give uh Parisanti a chance here and we install y'all on our devices. What is the software actually doing? Like, is it bringing up a dashboard and like, how is it organizing data? How can an engineer manipulate the dashboard and actually use the data in sense of how an oil and gas engineer would because they're going to be using data different than the military mm -hmm. or any other application would so how does the software how is it flexible or what can they do with it that makes it um, usable for oil and gas yeah yeah so our our data orchestration platform nightfall uh, it allows you to just easily drag and drop different components into a data workflow and those are capable of integrating with different PLCs that you may have on site, uh, different sensors you have you may have on on site, uh, depending on what kind of, I guess, communication interface it's, it's talking over, whether it's a wireless link or a wired link. Um, you know, lately we've been doing a lot of work with, with Modbus and MQTT and kind of the different languages that these sensors and systems are speaking. Um, so that you know. So you could use that to quickly build workflows and integrate with the different systems that, that you have on site. Um, also, with those processors, you're able to use those to analyze the data for anomaly detection, um, running artificial intelligence models that, that you may have to interpret your data. And that could all be you know, added, incorporated into the software as, as these processors. Um, there is a dashboard. Uh, we have our data visualization software at Daybreak. And with that, you're able to go in and look at actually, okay, this is the status of my equipment. This is, you know, my flow rate for a natural gas well, all of those components that, that you really need to know. Um, and you're able to drill into all those details depending mm -hmm. on really what the customer needs. So if, if it's an environment where you could transmit all that data, then, you know, you'll have you drill as deep as you need to go. But as some, in some applications where, you really are bandwidth constrained um, and you don't 
want to have a massive satellite terminal that's constantly broadcasting all of your data and costing a lot of money, that's where our software would, would really just transmit the insights. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting actionable alerts where, um, such as texts, emails, uh, Slack notifications or something like that, where you're getting notified in real time, the status of your system. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to kind of break that down a little bit. So I think the important thing for, you know, for folks listening to know is we want to sit on top of the sensors that you already have and provide data in the format that's most useful to you. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if that format is an email, we can set it up to send an email. If it's an alarm going off when something's about to explode, we can do that too. <laughs> you know, um, and we have we have some folks that where we do a haptic, just like a buzz to their to their watch. You know, yeah. says, oh, like notify me in this situation. You know, slacks. So we do have visualization. God, tools. that'd be the that'd be the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna wolf of the hand, so like yeah. you yeah. start getting those and like yeah. <laughs> engineer, you can't sleep at night and yeah. you know getting buzzes getting to buzzed your watch. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, your will's on fire. You have a well, blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I think that's important though, right? Because yeah, exactly. It's like we we want to sit on the tech you've already got and we want to provide insights in a way that's most useful to you. So mm -hmm. it's, it's meant to kind of be that out of the box solution that you can plug in yeah. and immediately start getting insights. Um, and we can do the more complicated, you know, predictive analytic and all that but we've actually been really surprised just in kind of talking to a lot of these on the ground operators how many of them their need is actually quite simple right it's i've got all this digitization but i don't know how to make sense of it and oftentimes i just have to go back to the the crayon barton charts you know well, that's what i've yeah. always loved yeah. about the industry is that um there's a lot of low-hanging fruit yeah and you know back in over the last few years you had a lot of you know machine learning artificial intelligence i'm like just need basic data management. Yep. Yeah. In the first place, <laughs> and, you know, get some alerts and things like that. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. And I'm always just curious how you know what the flexibility and yeah. you know when you're building across different verticals. Um, do you guys integrate well with um, other technologies? Like if someone has a tech stack um, that they already use, can you guys typically you know do y'all have APIs or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, we we integrate very well with with partners, and that's actually one of the one of the major uh, points for our platform is the amount of partners that we have, kind of with transport side, communication side, um, AIML partners integrating their models into our software. Um, and yeah, I mean we we use common industry APIs, so we don't have any proprietary um, APIs that that makes it more challenging to integrate with our software with existing systems. We really are built to. Uh, you know, for that customer that they're they're able to collect their data, but they're not able to actually make sense of all their data mm -hmm. or connect different data feeds together. So they may have their SCADA system and then their physical security system, but they really want to view all that information in one place or get alerts in one place. And that's where that's one of the powerful aspects of our software. Yeah. And then, um, sorry, I'll just throw a bunch of random <laughs> questions at you, but you made a comment earlier that the uh, company's bootstrapped. Is that still the case or has there been any funding? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, we're, we're fully bootstrapped to date since 2019 and closed last year with almost 10 million in gross sales, um, which we're pretty, pretty proud of. Yeah, um, that's extremely, I mean, that's yeah. extremely impressive. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Coming from a bootstrapped operator, yeah. you know, I know how hard that is. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. No, um, we, we are actually about to open our first funding round, um, specifically as we do expand into commercial. Uh, so we're, we're going to be taking on our, our kind of first investors here in a couple of weeks. Um, but I, yeah, I think we're, we're really, we're really proud of the bootstrapped element. You know, we've, we've worked really hard to get the tech to where it is. And I think again, it, it 
it speaks to that premise of who we're trying to serve yeah. right at the at the end of the day and yeah we, ha- we used to have this tagline that says you know make your data work as hard as you do uh which is i think really really true yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um everyone based out of austin is that we're 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 all, we're, we're all moving into Austin yeah. with kind of the rest of the world right <laughs> so, now. So descend, <laughs> descend. Yeah, we've got we've got folks in Colorado, yeah. North Carolina, kind of Alabama. Chicago, Alabama. But um, but everyone's kind of starting to to coalesce. So I yeah, I just bought a house and 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 that did as well, which I was, was telling, not an easy. I was change. telling Matt that I used to bust the balls of energy tech companies <laughs> that are based in Austin because I'm like, hey, all the businesses here yeah. in Houston. So um, I've. I've softened up on that stance a little bit. But, <laughs> the drive uh, gets easier every time. Yeah. <laughs> there's this one an, there's this one antique store that has this like rested giraffe that I pass every time. Yeah. Like, one one day I'm just gonna stop and buy it. Buy I just, it? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I pass. Well, what are you gonna, gonna look at? If you buy yard. it, what are you gonna look at? The next time you drive, like that's like your mark. You're like, all right, there's a the rusted giraffe. So, yeah. Um, no, it's actually, you know, there's kind of I've always talked about this metaphorical bridge being built between Austin and Houston and how important it is, but it actually seems like it's happening now, especially like in the in the in the Bitcoin world, because really you have a lot of the Bitcoin development happening yeah. in Austin, but then the mining is really taking place yeah. in Houston. Yeah. And so it's been really cool because one, I mean, empower that we had last week. What was so cool about that is like we had people from, you know, Seattle and Prague. Yeah. Like, yeah. They would have never like had a reason to come to Houston before. <laughs> and it's actually funny. I was, I was, uh, you know, we had Ted Cruz give a keynote the uh, second night and I was sitting next to the CEO of a uh, Bitcoin mining uh, pool and he lives up in Seattle. So, you know, just by nature, uh, a liberal guy. And after uh, Ted Cruz spoke, he's like, fucking hate that guy he's like now i have to support him he's like that was spot on afterwards you know we went and hung out in houston so it was cool like getting to highlight because i think houston's an amazing city i've been here for about eight years now and don't get me wrong i love austin Uh, i think that you know some of the people in austin drive me crazy but um, (laughs) houston's just you know so much talent here um so many companies are headquartered here and so it's cool getting to see um you know a company like y'all's that was built off of serving military applications and now he found okay we can do oil and gas and now you're having to make that trip to uh houston yeah. it sounds like matt's been having to go down to south texas too yeah. so yeah. i don't know if y'all send matt like <laughs> well, you're, you're going you're going out to the field sending him down I, I love it i love it i think you know to go back i guess to like our veteran roots i think there is a big kind of cultural overlap between energy and yeah. kind of the military just in terms of like you need to be out in the elements it's it's very tough. It's it's hard work, and I think that's you know appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, and I think I like what you were just kind of kind of going with there because I, I as someone uh, who who is is new to Texas and is is kind of starting to adapt my own kind of Texas cultural identity a little bit. But she bit. just moved here from Omaha. Uh, uh, I did. This, yeah, this closed yeah. prior to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> told her I was like, the first person I've met that she said she's not from Omaha. But. Yeah, I'm originally from Virginia, <laughs> but I've been I've lived down of all over. But but I will I will just say though, Texas as has 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 been incredible. And I think especially when you're talking about energy, what you just articulated is true. We you know, you've got you know, you've got folks in traditional oil and gas, you've got folks in in renewables, you have you have folks in utilities and kind of grid hardening. And at the end of the day, I've been in so many of these conferences over the last few months, everyone's having the same conversation, right? You know, it's it's all about digitization, decentralization, decarbonization, and ultimately how do you enable a pathway 
for guys and gals on the ground on the ground to be able to monetize and make money and create you know a sustainable future economically you know like economically financially culturally sustainability all of yeah. it it's it's all this kind of same conversation when i was at south by southwest and and it was just incredible because you would go into these you would go into these um these these kind of conferences that were held by folks on completely opposite ends of the spectrum and it was the exact same conversation like yeah. almost like almost down to the powerpoint you know it was yeah. <laughs> it was like okay like how do how do we do like respons responsibly source gas like how do we ultimately use data to solve some of these problems like how can we tap into all of the amazing subsurface knowledge that we've got from oil and gas and and not only continue to apply it in oil and gas but apply it to like drilling for you know offshore wind like all it's the same exact i think it's literally so exactly cool to the hear same you say this we're doing an event in october called evolve yeah. and our vision for evolve is to be the south by southwest of energy yeah. tech yeah and so i talk to people all across energy not just oil and gas yeah. you know climate tech yeah. geothermal yeah. and exactly what yeah. you just said like i love hearing you say it because i was like look we all have the same conversations yep. we all have the same problems we're all working towards very similar things Goals. and so we're bringing everyone together yeah. into houston That's and awesome. like i love those collisions yeah. happening just like at empower it's yeah. like man you got bitcoin miners yeah. like crypto people interacting with oil and gas folks yeah. like i love the I, uh, I love the contrast yeah. of cultures <laughs> and, and people yeah but i mean you know we all have similar problems and yeah. needs and there's there is a lot of overlap like kerry you were texting me photos of the conference you were at last yeah. week and they were talking about how bitcoin mining could be used yeah. for grid hardening and yeah like, wow like that's literally what <laughs> well, i'm learning what, about right one, now. one of the panels so yeah one of the panels i moderated was the rise of renewables yeah. and they were talking about the idea of green bitcoin yeah and i was like it's so funny because there's the same concept uh certified natural gas yeah and yep. um same concept yep. but just different applications yep. and so i was going off on that a little bit but yeah, it, it's funny how much uh, overlap there are on those things. And then also with energy and military, like uh, y'all mentioned, I mean, you know, I never served in the military, but I have a lot of friends that yeah. did and their experiences and, you know, the Marine Corps Army sound just like my experiences on a drilling yep. rig, you know, <laughs> very structured <laughs> hierarchy on a drilling rig with uh, discipline and hard work. I mean, a lot yeah. of similarities there. So, I mean, the two go, can't tell you how many companies we've had on this show that you know, they operate in two industries and that's yeah. oil and gas and military yeah. <laughs> applications. So, um, that is, that is, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities at intersections and yep. that is yeah. definitely one of those intersections. So anyways, um, if anyone's listening to this show and they want to hear more about Parasanti or CL's technology, where can they find you yeah, absolutely. So please do check out our website. You can also uh, absolutely email any of us. So we're super, we're super easy. Uh, our founders are James and Josh. It's james at parasanti.com and josh at parasanti.com, or you can email me at carrie.parasanti.com. Or yeah. Matt at parasanti. If you ever need to get a hold of someone at a startup, it's pretty easy syntax. Usually if you just try first name at company, I should actually preface that by saying for only being a company of 15 people, we actually have four Eric's. Yeah. So don't email anybody named Eric because we have because that's when it gets complicated yeah. but anybody well, it's, it's funny man. we had four people at digital wildcatters two of them were named uh jacob i was like we are overweight on yeah. <laughs> I, put, I put a kibosh on, on future yeah. hirings of eric's until yeah. we diversify yeah. a little bit yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. so guys if you want to check out this technology we'll drop a link in the show notes or uh you can uh, uh go to the website uh just to give you a quick um tip on the spelling it's p-a-r-a-s-a-n-t-i I, Parasanti, 
um, Carrie was saying that some people try to make it sound. So. A little like a gelato. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's actually the newspaper in SimCity, too, if you ever want to know. Our, our founder is a, oh, is a really? SimCity plant. Is? I guess Hume says SimCity so, guy. Hey, yeah. tell him that I have this theory that the reason our generation hates nuclear power is because of SimCity. Sim yeah, <laughs> yeah, power yeah. plants crashing and yeah, creating. Yeah, uh, people ask all the time, how'd you come up with the name? We say, we're just, we, we like video games. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. So, guys, make sure to check, uh, check them out and catch us next week week um also if you haven't already um go and subscribe to our youtube channel uh leave us uh some likes on our videos especially uh big digital energy chuck yates he needs some love uh go pump up his ego a little bit we'll catch you guys next week come, come, come.